Thank you for listening to our Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast sermon series by Pastor Sean Cole. Emmanuel exists to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and to disciple for God's great commission. If you have any questions about this message or would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.ebc-online.org. Now here's Pastor Sean. Chapter 20, as we continue through the book of Exodus and as we are looking this summer specifically at the Ten Commandments. Now, many of us watch the Hallmark Channel. And at Christmas time, you may watch it too much because they have so many different Christmas specials. I think this past week they aired their first Christmas special on Hallmark in July. But anyway, I like the Hallmark Channel because it's one of the cleanest channels on TV. You don't have to worry about raunchy stuff. You don't have to worry about any type of bad language. But back in 2014, when they aired the 1994 movie, It Can Happen to You... They got in trouble with some of the viewers because they muted the word God. Some people were really upset that they wanted to boycott the channel because they muted the word God. Now, you may think, now, what was the deal going on here with muting the word God? Here's why Hallmark muted the word God. They did not want to take the Lord's name in vain on their television program, and they didn't want to offend their Christian viewers. So they muted it when the original movie said, Oh, my gee. And so here's their statement. This is the statement of the Hallmark Channel. This is what they said in response to those that got upset. As the leader of family programming, Hallmark Channel strives to provide quality program with a balance that includes both current and contemporary shows. In the recent airing of It Could Happen to You, the word God was omitted as staying on the side of caution to not offend as our standard and practices department categorized it as God was being used in vain. Now what I find shocking is that there is a channel still on television that does not want to use the Lord's name in vain. That's what's shocking to me because you can't go anywhere today. I don't care if it's even rated PG where you don't hear the Lord's name in vain to some degree. Now, when it comes to profanity, a lot of us can handle some four-letter words in movies and things like that. And those things bother me. But what really bothers me when I'm watching TV and when I'm watching movies is when the Lord's name is used in vain. It just bothers me to the core of my being. I get really upset when God's name is used that way. And so we come to the third commandment in the Ten Commandments. So let's just do a little bit of review because we've looked at the first commandment, we've looked at the second commandment. Okay, so the first commandment deals with the object of worship. And it asks the question, am I worshiping the right God? Do I have God right? Am I worshiping the right God? That's commandment number one. Commandment number two is the regulation of worship. Am I worshiping the right God in the right way? Because you can worship God in a wrong way, as we saw last week. That's breaking the second commandment. The third commandment gets to the question, what's my attitude toward worshiping God? Do I have the right attitude towards this 
holy God. And it really flows logically from the first and second commandment. Okay, so the first commandment is you got to get God right. The second commandment is you've got to worship Him right. And as we looked at last week, God is invisible. He's the invisible, only wise God, and you can't make images of God. You can't try to form an imagination of what you think God is. And so the question then becomes, okay, how do we worship God if he's invisible? How do we know who God is? God has revealed to us his character through his name. Think about all the Psalms that talk about the name of the Lord. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now, the psalmist could have said, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic are you in all the earth. And there'd be nothing wrong with that. But notice what he says. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 29, 2. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Now, again, the psalmist could have said, ascribe to the Lord the glory due Him. And there'd be nothing wrong with that, but it's always the glory due His name. Psalm 115 verse 1, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and faithfulness. And I skipped one. Psalm 72, 19. Blessed be His glorious name. Forever, may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. You can go on and on through the Psalms about how we are to bless and glorify and worship the name of the Lord. So the third commandment gets to the name of the Lord. So let's just read together. It's just one verse. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. The third commandment. Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It's a short commandment. It's somewhat confusing at times. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to ask three questions, three questions related to this commandment about taking the Lord's name in vain. So maybe you're asking these questions. They're the questions I'm asking. So here's the first question. What exactly is involved in taking God's name in vain? What does it mean? Now, the word take, the ESV says you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Some translations use the word misuse. It's a very interesting Hebrew word there doesn't mean just to say it. What it really means in the original language is to carry that name, to assume that name, to bear that name. In other words, we carry God's name and his reputation because we are created in his image. So it doesn't just mean necessarily just to speak his name in vain. It means it's a little bit stronger. It's to, it's to carry his name. Okay, what does in vain mean? To carry his name or to wear his name in vain. Well, the word shav, which is vain, can mean empty, trivial, meaningless, hypocritical. 
Let me give you some help here. This Hebrew word shows up in other places in the Old Testament, and you can kind of get an idea of what this word means by looking at it in other places. So in Psalm 31, 6, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust the Lord. The word worthless there is the same word for vain. So it could mean to treat God's name as worthless. It could also mean deceitful or wicked. Psalm 12, 2. Everyone who utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart, they speak. The word lies there is the same word for vain. To use God's name deceitfully, dishonestly, to speak lies about God. That's what it could mean to use God's name in vain. Jeremiah 18, 15. But my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. They made them stumble in their ways in the ancient roads and to walk into side roads and on the highway. They made their offering to false gods. That's the same word for vain. False, empty, hypocritical, lying, deceitful, worthless. It means to empty God's name of its meaning, to make his name trivial, to use it as a swear word or a curse word or use it in a way to falsely represent God, to distort his name, to dilute his name, to falsify his name. One of our elders, Dwayne, read this earlier, but let me read it again. Ezekiel 36, 22 through 23. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. We live in a nation where God's name has been profaned. Do you not agree with me on that? God's name is profaned. Now, it's bad enough when God's name is profaned by non-believers, but God is speaking to Israel here and saying, you, my people, have profaned my name. And I'm going to act to promote the honor of my name, the Lord says. So in the Old Testament, you see some examples of how people misuse the name of the Lord, how they take the Lord's name in vain. Now, these are some Old Testament examples. We're going to get to some modern-day application, but I just want to show you how the Old Testament people use the Lord's name in vain. Okay, So one of the ways is, one example was, first of all, sorcery. Sorcery. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering... Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. What the nation of Israel was doing, instead of trusting in the name of the Lord, trusting in the Lord, they were trusting in spirit mediums. They were trusting in sorcerers. They were going into all types of occultic behavior in order to get guidance, to get direction, 
to, get, to find out their will, uh, to find out God's will for their life, as opposed to trusting in the name of the Lord. And so sorcery is a way to take the Lord's name in vain because instead of seeking his name, you're seeking occultic, demonic substitutes. Okay, another way that they in the Old Testament took the Lord's name in vain, secondly, was false prophecy. False prophecy. I'm going to talk a little bit about this here in a moment. But Jeremiah 14, 14 through 15. The Lord said to me, this is Jeremiah who was called to, Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the Israelites and they did not like what he had to say because Jeremiah was calling them to repentance. Jeremiah was saying, listen Israelites, you are being disobedient. I'm calling you to repentance. They did not like what Jeremiah said. They put Jeremiah in jail. They put Jeremiah in stocks. They put Jeremiah in a hole. They wanted prophets to come tell them what their itching ears wanted to hear. And so this is what Jeremiah is saying to the people. The Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, God is saying, nor did I command them to speak or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I did not send them, and who say, sword and famine shall not come upon this land, by sword and famine those prophets shall be consumed. These false prophets are coming in the name of God saying, Israelites, you don't have to worry about anything. Things are great. Eat, drink, and be merry. God's not upset with you. I'm, I've got a message from the Lord in his name. But they're prophesying lies. And God's saying, I didn't send these guys. I didn't send them. They're making these things up in their own minds. Okay, third way the Lord's name was misused in the Old Testament. Swearing false oaths. Leviticus 19.12 You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Maybe you've said this before, and it's actually using God's name in vain. I swear to God. You ever heard anybody say that? I swear to God. What you're doing in that moment is you are swearing an oath to God that what's coming out of your mouth or what you're about to do, you're swearing an oath upon the living name of God or you're using God's name flippantly as a way to kind of get away with some things or to kind of prove yourself. You're not even knowing what you're saying. Listen to what Jesus says about a false oath in Matthew 5, 33 through 37. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform the work the Lord or you shall perform to the Lord what you've sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. James 5.12 but above all, brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be enough. 
Don't just flippantly swear to God that you're going to do something. Because when you swear to God that you're going to do something and you don't follow through, what you're doing is you're basically saying all the, oven at, all, all the things that God's supposed to do to me that are bad if I don't hold up to this end of the bargain, he's going to do to me. And that's basically what you're saying when you're, when you're swearing to God. So sorcery, false prophecy, false oaths, those are some ways the Old Testament dealt with misusing the Lord's name. But, but you have to ask a question. Why the name of God? What's the big deal about God's name? Why does God say, you shall not misuse my name? You shall not take my name in vain. Why didn't God just simply say, don't take me in vain? Why his name? Remember what God revealed to Moses back at the burning bush many months ago, okay? Exodus 3, 14 through 15. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus, I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is my name forever, Israel. I am. Okay, so let me just give you a little bit of Hebrew here. When you see the word LORD in your Bibles, in all caps, L-O-R-D, that's the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yahweh. The word I am sounds very close to Yahweh in the original language. What is happening here is God's name is almost synonymous with who God is. The entire essence of who God is is wrapped up in his name. When you use the name of God, you're getting to the very essence of who God is. You're getting to the core essence of God's identity as God. Because he said, I am who I am. That's my name forever. So how do you feel when someone forgets your name or laughs at your name or mispronounces your name or, or snickers or gossips at your name behind your back? Okay, I've had to deal with this my whole life. Okay, My name is Sean, S-E-A-N. I was born in 1971. At that time, James Bond Diamonds of Forever came out. My parents were big James Bond fans. They liked Sean Connery. They liked the name Sean. I'm not named after Sean Connery, but I have the name Sean because my parents liked it, okay? So growing up in the 70s and 80s, I was called Seen all the time. Just last week when I was on the phone with UPS, they said, Seen? Is that your name, Seen? No, it's Sean. And I had a joke growing up. This is my joke growing up. If you call me seen one more time, I'm going to get obscene. The name Sean, not seen Cole. You've probably had your name mispronounced. And how did it make you feel? How much more the living God when you misuse his name or you make fun of his name? The precious, holy name of God. Remember how Jesus told us to begin the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9? Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Now, Jesus doesn't say, hallowed be you. There's nothing wrong with Jesus saying, hallowed be you. But he says, hallowed be your name. Your name be holy. That's how we're to start the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, we desire for your name to be holy because it's not in the world. Your name is profane in the world. Your name is not recognized. Your fame, your reputation, everything about you, Lord, is being tarnished. And so we pray as believers that your name would be holy in our lives, your name. So the first question is, what does it really mean to take the Lord's name in vain? It's to misuse his name. It's to make his name worthless, to to lie about his name, to use sorcery, false oaths, all these different ways that the Old Testament points to us about misusing the name of the Lord. Okay, now go back and look at the the verse in in verse 7 for a moment. It's very simple. It's in the negative. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for or because the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Okay, second question. This is a hard one. What's the punishment for breaking the commandment? Now, there's a punishment here, right? You will be guilty if you do this. But it's not mentioned. The punishment's not mentioned. It's about how the Lord's going to hold you guilty if you break this. Now, it's left unspecified, but we see a very striking example in Leviticus 24. Thankfully, this is the Old Testament dispensation, and so there's some things here that are a little bit different for us, okay? But this is an example in the Old Testament of what would happen if you blasphemed or misused the Lord's name, okay? So Leviticus 24, 10 through 16. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel, and the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite's woman's son blasphemed the name, the name, and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was Shelemith, the daughter of Debri, of the tribe of Dan. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Bring out of the camp the one who cursed, and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head, and let all the congregation stone him. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, he shall be put to death. So what was the penalty back then for using the Lord's name in vain? Death penalty, stoned by the people that heard you. So this guy's out here, he's fighting with another guy, and he lets a cuss word slip, and he, and he cusses God. What's the punishment? The entire congregation comes, lays their hands on him because he's guilty, and they stone him to death. Now, thankfully, that's not the way it operates today. Okay, we're not under stoning or corporal or, or, or type of punishment for, for breaking the Old Testament law. Blasphemy. Cursing God. Do you realize that at the end times, the book of Revelation, when God executes judgment, one of the things that non-believers are going to do when they're judged by God is they're going to cuss God out. They're going to blaspheme. They're going to blaspheme his name. Listen to Revelation 16, 9 through 11. They were scorched by the fierce heat And they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. 
They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. What is misusing the Lord's name in vain? What's the punishment? Well, the Old Testament punishment was stoning. Thankfully, we're not under that anymore today. But it does show the severity of what it means to use the Lord's name in vain. Okay, let's ask the third question. Okay? How can I be guilty of breaking this commandment today? In other words, what are the contemporary applications and implications of the third commandment? How does it work out in our lives today? Nobody's going to get stoned if you slip and, and use the Lord's name as a cuss word, but it's very serious. So what are the implications of how we deal with this today? So let me suggest some, some questions to think about. Contemporary application. Number one, do we see flippant misuse of God's name and mild cussing as a violation of the third commandment? It's very easy to say, oh, if somebody uses GD, that's, a, that's God's name in vain. If somebody uses Jesus' name as a cuss word, that's the Lord's name in vain. But I'm talking about mild cussing. Mild cussing. And you may not think it's cussing, but for me, it's mild cussing. When somebody says, oh, my God, or good Lord, or I swear to God, or even Jeez. And you may not think twice when you hear these things, but in essence, you're flippantly misusing the name of the Lord. Now, here's a good way to remember this. Here's a good way to remember this. If the usage of God's name that comes out of your mouth is not for praising Him, thanking Him, praying to Him, or telling somebody else about Him, then you probably need to think twice about how you use His name. If you just flippantly let it fly out, OMG, you're not using it in a way that's appropriate to who he is. Again, God's name goes to the essence of who he is. Let me just ask you a question. How would you like somebody to use your name in vain? Oh, my, Sean. Good, Sean. I can't believe he did that. I swear to Sean. I mean, that sounds weird, doesn't it? But how would you like it if somebody used your name in vain? All the time, just flippantly using your name in an angry way or in a cussing way or in a flippant way, you would be offended because you're like, man, you keep using my name in vain. How much more God when we just flippantly use his name in mild cussing? It's bad enough when you use it as a cuss word, but mild cussing. Number two, do we misuse God's name as a blank check to advance our own selfish agendas? Using God's name in vain is not merely limited to using God's name as a cuss word. You can also invoke the name of the Lord and do some pretty stupid things in God's name. God told me I should dot, dot, dot. I believe the Lord's given this to me to dot, dot, dot. And what you end up doing or what you end up saying is not biblical. It's not obedient. You just kind of made it up on a whim, but you're, giving, you're saying God's the one that gave you the permission to do it. I've met some people who've done some really stupid things in their lives and blamed it on God told me. For this is what God said. 
or I'm doing this in the name of God. One of the most egregious examples of using God's name in vain is this. You may not think about it this way. It's the huckster televangelist who says, God gave me a word that you're to give to my ministry so I can buy my private jet. It's using God's name in vain because what you're doing is you're invoking the name of God for your ministry for selfish agenda. You're saying God told me or God's doing this or God's in this. You're using God's name in vain. And so notice what Peter says about false teachers that are coming. There's many out today, a lot. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3. False prophets arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. False teachers will come with you with false words. And they may promote heresy or their agendas, and God talk will be all over the place. They'll use God talk. God told me. God's in this. God said this. In the name of the Lord. All this God talk. And it could be just rank heresy coming out of their mouth. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.17, For we are not like so many, many peddlers... Of God's word as men of sincerity is commissioned by God. In the sight of God, we speak in Christ. There's a lot of people out there that peddle God's word. Now, I'm going to ask you a, a hard question, okay? Let's set up a scenario. Which is worse, okay? What's worse in these two scenarios, okay? So scenario number one. Some middle school boys on the playground behind the school are using God's name as a cuss word because they heard it on a video game or they're mimicking what their parents say. That's scenario number one. Or the televangelist who's using God's name in vain to promote heresy and selfish agendas, which is worse. You might first think, well, man, the, guy, the kid's using the Lord's name in vain. That's pretty bad. Yes, but I think this one's worse. The first one, they could just be non-Christian boys that are just mimicking what they hear on video games and what they hear their parents say. I'm not excusing what they're doing. But the televangelist knows exactly what he or she's doing. And they're using the name of the Lord to advance their agenda, to promote heresy, and they are lifting up the Lord's name in vain. Number three. Now this one I might get a little step on some toes here. Do we trivialize God's name with praise songs that don't accurately reflect who God is? I need to be careful here because I'm not talking about musical style or preference or beat or whether you use drums or guitar. I'm talking about the lyrics. Do the lyrics for what pass for much of Christian songs today accurately reflect who God is? Let me give you an example. You may like this song. You may love this song. This may be your favorite praise song. So I'm about to shatter your little dreams here, okay? So here we go. There's a very popular song out right now called Reckless Love. Reckless Love. It's a widely popular praise song 
Here's what some of the lyrics say. There's a refrain at the end. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, you may say, what's the big deal with that song, Pastor Sean? Isn't it poetic license? Well, let me ask you a question. What in the world does it mean that God has reckless love? What does reckless mean? Does it mean God's like out of control throwing stuff around? He's reckless. He's a reckless driver. He doesn't know what he's doing. Go look up, don't do it right now on your phones, but go look up the word reckless in your dictionary. A lot of definitions there. Now, we may think we know what the artist is saying about God's love being reckless, but do we really know? Now, I'm not against poetic license in songs. But when it comes to God, we better make sure we have precision. Because if we're not using precision about who God is, we could inadvertently be taking his name in vain by presenting a God that we think who he is that's not anywhere close to who he is. So we can trivialize God's name. We can confuse God's name. We can say things in a song that could actually be false about God's name. So we just need to make sure that we, when we sing songs... Or when you come across poems or anything within the Christian atmosphere out there that you come across, whether Facebook or Twitter or whatever, that you filter it through, does this accurately, precisely represent the name of the Lord? If not, you could be misusing it or buying into how it's being misused. Here's the most important. Here's number four. As Christians, we need to remember that we bear the very name of Christ. How were you saved? You were saved by calling on the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. When you were saved, you called upon the name of Jesus. That's why Paul says in Romans 10.13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So how did you get saved? You called upon the name of the Lord. Now, once you've been saved, you take on the name of the Lord. What's Jesus' name? Not a cuss word. His name's Christ. It's not his last name, by the way. Jesus Christ. It's not his last name. Christ means Messiah or anointed one. What are you called if you follow Christ? A Christian. Or we call it what? Christian. A follower of Christ. A mimicker of Christ. Acts eleven twenty six. In Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And then 1 Peter 4, 16. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And let me just say this very carefully. Our reputation, our character, and our actions, whether we like it or not, are a reflection of Christ's reputation, Christ's character, and Christ's actions. The moment you became a Christian, you took on the name of Christ. You bear his name. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, it's a negative command. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Implied in the negative is the positive. 
What's the positive? Okay? How do I positively live this out? Everything about my life, because I name the name of Christ, needs to bring glory and honor to God's name. That's the positive way you live out the command. There's a negative. Don't take it in vain. There's a positive. Everything you do because you bear the name of Christ is to be glorifying to him. So here's the bottom line question you've got to ask. Have you somehow damaged God's reputation in two ways? You can misuse the Lord's name and take it in vain in two ways. By what you say and do. Have you said something or done something that has tarnished the name of the Lord? Something you've done. That's one way. Second way is by what you didn't say or what you didn't do. Do you know there's times where you should have spoken up and you didn't? There's times where you should have acted and you didn't? So you can misuse the Lord's name not just by positively doing something, but by not doing something you know you should have done in that moment to honor the name of the Lord. Thomas Watson says this, when we profess God's name but do not live answerably to it, we take it in vain. And this is an interesting quote. Pretended holiness is merely double wickedness. Titus 1.16, they profess to know God but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Now, what's the significance of the name of the Lord? What will happen on that final day with the name of the Lord? Philippians 2, 9-11, here's what's going to happen on that final day. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the, what? Name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What will happen on that final day? Every single person on the face of the earth who's ever lived, even those who are in hell today, will confess the name of the Lord and acknowledge that name. Now, we as believers, we get the joy to do it right now. It's joyful on that final day we're going to confess his name in heaven. It's going to be joyful. Those in hell will confess his name. They will do it angrily. They will do it bitterly, but they will still bow because his name is above all names. He has the name that's above every name. So, if you name the name of Christ, if you profess to be a Christian, which means little Christ, follower of Christ, let's confess that name with boldness. Let's not be ashamed of the name of Jesus and let us live in such a way that we bring honor and glory to God. His name. Let us live lives in such a way that the Lord's name is not profaned among the earth, but people see us, and because of the way we live, the Lord's name is glorified in all the earth. Let's live that way as individuals, as a church, and the world will stand up and say, There's something different about those people. 
And it's not because we're so great. It's because we're living in such a way that we make the name of the Lord great because he has a name above all names. So let's do this. Let's bow before this Lord this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's confess and let's, let's with our hearts and minds commit ourselves to living for his name alone. Would you spend just a few moments in silent prayer for you this morning and we are so thankful to be your people that you've called us. You've called us by name and you've made us your people and given us the name Christian. We've called upon the name of Christ to be saved and then we have become the bearers of your name. Whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever we think, in word or deed, everything about us we're to do in the name of you, Jesus, bringing glory to you. So, Lord, by God's grace and by God's strength, we will be a people that do not take the Lord's name in vain. But instead, we live in such a way that God's name is honored, it's glorified. That we lift high the name of Jesus. We lift high your reputation. Lord, forgive us for those times where we have flippantly used your name where we've misused your name. And Lord, please forgive us as a nation. Father, it breaks my heart to see how many people use your precious name as a cuss word. And I know because they're lost, they don't know what they're saying. They're just, they think they're just saying words, but Lord, it's your precious name. And Lord, in our movies, and our media, and our TV, every, everything, this just your name is misused. Your name is profane in all the earth. So Lord, let us be a people that are bothered by that, but we live in such a way that your name is honored in all the earth. Would what comes out of our mouths and how we live our lives lift high your reputation? May we always start our prayers the way Jesus, you told us to, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Lord, help us to be a people who honor your name, the name that's above all names, the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus, you are Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, if there's anybody in this room that's not bowed to the name of Jesus, they've not submitted to the name of Jesus, they've not trusted in the name of Jesus, they've not called upon the name of Jesus, would today be their day where they call upon that name? They receive forgiveness. They repent of their sins. They admit that they need a Savior. Would today be the day they call upon the name of the Lord to be saved? And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.